This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom Dioria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom Dioria. Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk. It's the fourth Sunday of May. It's May 24th, 2015. We're in the middle of Memorial Day weekend. I hope you're all enjoying yourself and remembering those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for this great country. We're on at 6 p.m. in New York, uh, in the New York listening area and 3 p.m. in Arizona, and we're live from our New York offices. And we're going to be discussing when digital becomes human with our guest, Stephen Van Belligam. Uh, just in case you're, uh, oh, I'm Tom Dioria, just in case you don't know that. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated, and together with our weekly guests, our show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you with a review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with our increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with our industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, or new contract opportunities. One or more guests followed us from many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to techtalk, that's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com. We'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send an email message with questions on today's topic or anything else we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX, that's 277-5369. And if you're outside the 602 listening area, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. You can also send us email questions with that email address I just gave you, techtalk.imi-us.com. We're also being simulcast on the web, so if you can't get to your radio and you want to listen to us live, you can go to our KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can go to our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that. All the shows are archived. You can download them, send them to your friends. It's free, so please take advantage of that. And please call in any time, and uh, we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. Our first segment is our week in review. It's increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world. It's Compabri, Dave Brandon, Dan Dioria, and Jose Batistas. Okay, so let's see. We've got a whole bunch of things to cover today. Um, one thing that our president gave me is a quick call. The popular service Sunrise Calendar has added a neat feature to its iOS app in a recent update. This is from the New York Times. Uh, a dedicated keyboard button to find a blank space in the user's calendar even when using other apps. The idea is to make it easy to arrange a meeting while doing something like answering an email. Seems clever. We're going to check it out this week, and we'll let you know next week if it really works. New York Post tells us that your smartphone has you on a leash, it might as well have your dog on one too. A new mobile app called WAG Exclamation is expanding into New York City, promising on-demand dog working services for time-starved clients. New York will be their biggest market, according to co-founder Joshua Viner. There is a potential one million dogs in the Big Apple, 
which would be a good follow-up after launching in San Francisco and Los Angeles. The service, whose 30- and 60-minute walks begin at $20, including a report card with a picture, GPS-generated map of the walk, and PNPoo report. Within 12 months, WAG exclamation aims to be walking 1% or 10,000 of New York's dogs each day. That's a cool app. Um, Amazon tells us from the New York Times again, Amazon will be offering one-hour delivery from local stores in New York City as the competition in delivery arenas increase. The service offered in the city's Manhattan borough is part of Amazon's Prime Now delivery service and will initially include grocery chains D'Agostino and Gourmet Garage and Bakery Billy's Bakery with Italian food marketplace Italy. E-A-T-A-L-Y, launching shortly. The service is only available via for members of its $99 annual loyalty program and via Amazon Prime's Now app. It's free for two-hour delivery and $7.99 for one-hour delivery. Prime Now, which offers one-hour delivery on some of Amazon's own products, is available in Atlanta, Austin, Baltimore, Dallas, New York City, and Miami. Move comes as Uber is testing local delivery service and delivery service Postmates has begun working at restaurants like McDonald's and Starbucks. News tells us that cutting-edge new tracking software distributed to schools across New York City will chart student and faculty performance with laser-like accuracy. And in not the cities, agencies like the NYPD that already rely heavily on new technology, the software will mark the first time up-to-date information about grades, attendance, and other matrices will be available to educators. So-called progress to graduation software is the City Education Department's first-ever data tool to provide real-time information on students. The second program, the School Performance Data Explorer, will be the first to provide metrics for schools. It's pretty interesting. Both programs use spreadsheets to deliver information on academics and attendance for students in all five boroughs. The software will save time, improve data accuracy, and increase access to a wide range variety of information. So I'll see where that goes. They were developed in-house for about $70,000, a lot less than using consultants, and will be used by nearly 22,000 staffers, superintendents, and principals to teachers and guidance counselors. Okay, 9to5Mac tells us that um, having originally planned to add a new transit directions feature to MAPS last year, only to pull feature before WWDC 2014, Apple now hopes to launch its transit service with iOS 9. Apple currently plans to debut bus, subway, and train route navigation as the central upgrade to Maps app and iOS 9 at WWDC using a user interface similar to the one intended for last fall's launch. The transit direction service would allow iPhone users to navigate mass transit via the official Apple Maps application for the first time since Apple removed Google as iOS's official provider of map data. Sources said last year that the transit functionality for maps includes larger icons for users to more quickly spot airports, subway stations, and train stations with the Maps app. In addition to the main functionality, there is also a trip planning feature for transit and a new transit view alongside the existing standard hybrid and satellite flyover views. Firefox is to serve up ads based on browsing history from PC Magazine. Mozilla is ready to expand its Firefox advertising efforts, and it will use your browsing history to do it. The company has been testing different ad options for its browser, adding company-sponsored tiles to blank tabs last year in an effort to know 
in an effort known as directory tiles. Now Mozilla is prepping a complement to directory tiles dubbed suggested tiles, which will serve up ads based on your web history. For example, if you navigate to PCMag.com on Firefox, you might see a tech-related ad in one of the sponsored spots when you open a new tab. Mozilla says it does not retain or share personal data, nor are we using cookies. Users can opt out with two clicks or edit their browsing history to alter results. In a blog posted about suggested tiles, Mozilla bemoaned the current state of digital advertising and its lack of transparency regarding how people's data is collected and distributed to third-party networks. Okay, bottom line tells us 12 cool things you can do you can do with your smartphone, computer, or tablets. Type emails and text more efficiently whenever you end up End a sentence, tap the space key twice. This adds a period. Adds a space between sentences and capitalize the next word you type with without having to manually hit the shift key. Bypass long voicemail instructions. When you want to leave a message for someone, most major wireless providers force you to listen to a list of keypad instructions. It can take as long as 15 seconds before you get to the beep and start talking. Carriers don't promote the fact that there's a shortcut key that you can direct uh, that directly to the beep. For Verizon, press a star. For Sprint, press one. For AT&T and T-Mobile, press the pound sign. That's pretty cool. Get free directory assistance if you dial 911 on your cell phone. Your call, your carrier will be charged for a fee, typically two dollars. Better dial 800 free 411. Uh, you'll have to listen to a few short ads, but you get it for nothing. Access uh, detailed maps without Wi-Fi or cellular connection. Before you leave for a trip, get a comprehensive and easy-to-use map such as Google Maps or Here. Uh, find maps of the areas you need and download them to your phone for use later. That's a very good suggestion. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to get to our guest, Stephen Van Belligam, and have a really interesting show about when digital becomes human. This is Tom DiOrio on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's Memorial Day weekend 2015. Please remember to thank a vet and a serving member of the armed forces. And while you're at it, members of the first responders, PD, fire, and EMS. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Diori. It's the 24th of May, 2015, Memorial Day weekend. And as I mentioned to you before the break, our show today is on When Digital Becomes Human with our guest, Stephen Van Belligam. And uh, Stephen is the author of When Digital Becomes Human. And uh, he was the managing partner at uh, Insights Consulting, but is now the Verilic Management School marketing professor. And he's also an author and uh, his first book, The Conversation Manager, won the award of the most innovative marketing book in 2010, and it sold more than 20,000 copies. His second book, The Conversation Company, was launched in March 2012. Stephen is a frequent speaker at conferences around the world. He is also known for his enthusiastic, interactive, and no-nonsense style. So, Stephen, thanks a lot for being with us. Really appreciate you taking the time. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure, Adolf. So what was your idea behind writing uh, 
when digital becomes human? What's the what's the premise? Well, the, the the key question that I had was, what will happen with the customer relation the moment when everything becomes digital? Will we still need humans, or can we automate everything? And the whole book is based upon one simple hypothesis, and it's actually based upon an old economic law, and that's the economic law of scarcity. Uh, when something becomes scarce, it increases in value, right? And I think the one thing that will de- that will decrease in frequency between customers and companies is the human interface. And because of the decrease in frequency, I think it will increase in value. So it's it's my idea that most companies are now facing a double transformation. On the one hand, everyone has to go through this digital transformation, which is really crucial to survive. But because of that, I think the consequence of the digital transformation is the human transformation. I think the roles of humans in companies will change dramatically. And I think companies will look will have to look for ways to make the human touch unique and differentiating and reach that point that I call when digital becomes human, but actually really invest in both axes. I think in every industry at a certain moment, digital or technology will become a a commodity. Like we've seen that in the music industry. We've seen that in the travel industry. I think right now we're, we're seeing that in the retail, in the healthcare, and in the retail industry that we have this boom of digital importance. But a few years from now, in most of those industries, digital will become a commodity at a certain moment. And I believe when digital becomes the commodity, the key differentiator will be the human interface because of its uniqueness and because of the fact that the more the world becomes digital, the less human interfaces we have. And because of that, it just increases in value. That's, That's the basic idea behind the book. So you're definitely not saying that uh, technology is going to replace human interface, but just make it more important and more specialized or tailored, I guess, to the uh, yeah, market that, that they're trying to provide. That's it. I, I think at this moment we can create a new form of customer centricity. Uh, I believe companies will, will need to become more extreme in customer centricity. and I think we can make a, a more unique customer-centric approach that we couldn't do five years ago by investing in the strengths of digital and investing in the strengths of the human interface. I don't think both fight with each other. I think the strengths of digital are making things more efficient, making things more predictable, and I think the strengths of human is to make it more emotional. And I think if, as a company, you invest in both strengths, you can create this unique customer-centric approach uh, by being good in both. And I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying they both add different value perspectives in the customer relation. And if you're good involved as a company, I think that is creating a a pretty interesting form of customer centricity that we couldn't do earlier. So a better customer service as the Internet changes uh, the way people look at things and, and as you said, most most organizations have to keep up with technology, otherwise, otherwise they lose their market share. So the differentiating factor mm-hmm. is the human factor, and it really, I gather from what you're saying, focuses on customer service? Yeah. The, the focus of the book is on customer centricity, not just customer service, but just trying to be as customer-centric as possible. Um, I, I think that the, the one thing that the digitalization of the world has brought us is a higher customer expectation. If you see that companies like Zalando or companies like Amazon, 
their customer service is, is extremely high. They, they needed to do that because people didn't trust them 15 years ago. So the, the only choice they had to gain the trust of customers was being extreme in customer centricity. And because of that, the expectation levels of, of people are changing. You know, one of my favorite examples is what's happening in Disney World right now in Orlando, in Florida. The whole My Magic Plus concept, you know, where every uh, guest gets a bracelet, an embracelet around their arms, a magic band is what they call it, to open up your hotel room and to enter the park and to make payments. You can do everything with your magic band. The, the, the fact that they are doing that is just boosting the customer experience with 300%. And I live in Europe, so usually I go to Disneyland Paris. But the last time that I went to Disneyland Paris was six months after I've been to Disney World in Orlando. And for me, it was like the, the, the worst time in my life. It was like going back to the Middle Ages because I was missing my technological interface at that moment. And, and then I realized, okay, this is like extremely hard for companies right now because the moment as a consumer that you realize that something is possible, you expect it from all other companies in the world. So it's like your your brain is constantly increasing the the, the, the possibilities and, and investigating what is possible. But once you've tasted something, there's no way back. And I think that's difficult for companies today. And I, I truly believe that like if you're in the financial industry, it, it's not the smartest thing to benchmark yourself within the financial industry because the truth is there's not that much difference between all those players in that market and innovation is coming is not coming from within but coming from outside of that market and the change in expectations of customers in the financial market is created by companies like Disney World and companies like Apple and companies like Google so the expectation level is going so high these days that the, the, the pressure on, let's say, normal companies is really high today to invest in the digital world. Now, getting back to, to Disney World, um, did you notice any change um, in the level of human customer service? Because Disney has been in the forefront of customer interface with their human mm -hmm. and, as a matter mm -hmm. of fact, has marketed that training that they give to their I forgot what they call their staff. Uh, they don't call them mm -hmm. staff. They have a name for them, uh, members or something, uh, team members. But yeah. they've exported <laughs> that. I mean, when yeah. Yankee, the new Yankee Stadium opened in New York, all those people that worked there were trained in the techniques that Disneyland uh, utilizes to be mm -hmm. uh, customer-friendly. So it, so it was at yeah. a pretty high level. Did you notice any difference when, when you got your wrist bracelet? Has that remained the same, increased? Did you notice a difference? I think it, um, it improved, to be honest, because once you have a better digital interface, a lot of the operational work gets automated, and because of that, the people get more time to, to, or, or have more time to spend with their guests. So the, the moment when you start to automate things and you reduce the operational tasks of people, they have more attention for guests. So actually, because of the digital investments, you improve the human interface. But a cool background story of, of what's happening at Disney is that, that the implementation of that My Magic Plus concept was extremely difficult. Um, a few years ago, Disney was really against digital. They, they hated YouTube. They thought it was a, a channel of piracy. Um, but what I've heard is that at a certain moment, 
within the board of directors of Disney, we, we had Steve Jobs and the COO of Facebook, and they said to the CEO of Disney, you need to do something uh, with your offline customer experience because in five years from now, it's going to be really old-fashioned. And I think that was back in 2009 or 2010 when they said that. And the CEO of Disney said, okay, I believe you guys, but I have a serious problem. My entire organization is against digital because we are so strong in the human part of business that we, we don't want to go into the digital field. And to implement the My Magic Plus um, process or idea, they had to do something really remarkable. What, what they've done is the CEO handpicked 20 of his best digital people in the Disney organization and those 20 people were hiding in an abandoned ride in Epcot Center in Disney World for two years long. And in that abandoned ride in Epcot, they had to build the concept of My Magic Plus in total secrecy because the CEO was so afraid that his staff would find out that he was investing in digital that that concept would never have gotten through. And I think this is interesting to see how, even for a company like Disney that it has now this huge success story with with. My Magic Plus, how difficult it is to implement something very disruptive in an, in an organization. And I, I was really surprised with that story to, to see how you need to do something really different to make it happen. Now, that's a, a really interesting story. Uh, I can't wait to continue this discussion. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Tom DiOrio. We're on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's Memorial Day weekend, May 24th, 2015. The topic of today's show is when digital becomes human, and our guest is Stephen Van Bellagam. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria. It's Memorial Day weekend, May 24th, 2015. Our show today is on when digital becomes human. And our guest, Stephen Van Belegram, has been telling us uh, an interesting story about Disney World. Have they only implemented it in Florida? Do you know uh, if they're going to bring it to yeah. Europe and to Asia and to California? At this point, they only have it in, in Florida, and I think they will roll it out everywhere because I was speaking on a con in a conference in Paris recently, and one of the vice presidents of Disneyland Paris was there, and he heard me talk, and I said that I, I don't want to go back to Disneyland Paris until they have it, and he told me that there's now this rollout plan for the, the entire system because, the, and I think the key reason is a financial reason. I, I recently read this article that said the magic band is a magic money maker for Disney World. The amount of money that they're making now since they implemented this magic band is, is enormous. Um, what you see is when you make it easier for people to spend money, because the only thing you need to do is just hold your bracelet against the sensor and you, you pay for your goodies and your food. So when you make it easy for people to spend money and when you make sure that they lose less time because it, everything goes more efficient, they spend more money in the park. And, and the difference in spending per person is enormous if you compare it with or without the Magic Band. So they're going to roll it out very fast, I think. I don't know any details about that, but I would assume that it would come to Disneyland California early on and after that in the rest of the world as well. So staying on uh, the topic of consumers, how has uh, how do you feel technology has become our 
sixth sense? Uh, does it change the way uh, consumers behave? I mean, you just gave us a great example uh, where that wristband spend more money. Absolutely. I, I think in the last few years, actually since the arrival of the iPhone, I think we live in a complete new world where the adoption of technology has become faster and easier than, than ever before. And in today's world, uh, we, we cannot live without technology. Um, just look at how your iPhone has grown into your hand. And if in the late afternoon your battery is at 20%, how nervous you can become because of the idea of being without a, a connection in uh, in your life. So technology at this point is our sixth sense. Our, our phone is our external hard drive at this moment. I used to know all the phone numbers by heart, and now... I don't know any phone number by heart, and I used to know all the places where my friends were living and how my car knows where my friends live. So I think even today it's all really like this, but if you look a few years ahead, it's, I think it's even going to be worse or better, depends on how you look at it. But the moment when augmented reality or connected humans start to be around, uh, I think it's going to be a totally different world. I'm going to visit, I, I, I often organize trips for European executives to Silicon Valley. And we look at companies that are in the forefront of innovation. And in September, I'm going to visit a company called VivaLink. And their ambition is to be the first company in the world that creates a mainstream chip for people to implement, to, to inject in their arm. And that you have almost like real-time updates on your blood values uh, through your cell phone. Uh, so you can gamify your blood value, so you can eat a carrot and see what happens with your blood, or you can eat some spinach and see what happens with your blood. I think the moment that that happens, uh, which is pretty nearby, um, we're going to have a totally different life, and technology will, will be really the sixth sense of all of us, that we cannot live without it, that we cannot even function without it. And I think if you if you translate that into the the needs of of managers or the the impacts for managers is that as consumers we live in this new world where every twelve months there's a new hype there's something new that we didn't see coming. But the truth is most managers when they leave their home in the morning they go to their office and they go back ten years in time. They're still working on an in an old on an old computer an old software system. And because of that context in their company, it almost makes them feel like they're still 10 years behind. And because of that, they make decisions that are 10 years behind. And I think the, the challenge is to make decisions as a manager as you live in the world of consumers today. And in that world, technology is definitely our sixth sense. And I think every manager should take decisions based on that reality that we're in right now. That's an interesting concept, especially uh, injecting something into to your arm that'll allow you to keep track of your blood. I mean, next day could in inject something that'll help me stop forgetting things. That would be great. Your whole memory could be on the chip, and then this way you just reference that instead of your brain. That would be an interesting concept. That would be you, you can suggest that to them. I won't copyright it or patent it. So, <laughs> um, so it sounds like what you're saying is. Companies are or or should be building, I don't know, I think you'd refer to it as a digital ecosystem around the customer. Is that is that basically one of the concepts? If you want to work in the digital world, you indeed need to build that digital ecosystem where you combine the strengths of data with a fantastic user interface. Uh, I think if, if you want to talk about the checklist of today, challenge is to be fast, easy, and fun. I think that's the challenge in digital processes. 
in your ecosystem. I, I sometimes say that the world is like the world is like angry birds' eyes, if you know what I mean. That if, if we want to play a game today, we, we just download it from the iStore or the App Store. We have it 30 seconds later, and most of the time it, it was a zero-dollar investment. And if sometimes we do something crazy, we pay 99 cents for a game, and we have it instantly, and every game is fast, easy, and fun. Like, I grew up with a Commodore 64. I don't know if, if you remember those computers. But those I were do. the days before there were even floppy disks. I had a cassette deck with that. Um, I'm not that old. I'm not even 40 yet, but I used to play games with a cassette deck. Um, and I had to wait 45 minutes before I could load a game or play a game. And now we have a new game in, in 30 seconds. And I think that that is the checklist of, of in today's digital ecosystem for every company. Are you fast enough? Are you easy enough? And are you fun enough? Um, if you look at what Facebook recently did, they, they implemented payments in their messenger. And I think it's one of the easiest and the fastest and the most fun payment systems I have seen in my entire life. But for Facebook, it's like a sidetrack. It is not their core business. So I'm asking every bank that I meet, why didn't you guys invent it? because they, they talked about it and they have PowerPoint presentations about it and they have steering committees about it, but they don't do it. And Facebook did it. And every single time one of those huge digital companies does something, it's always fast, easy, and fun. Look at all the hyped companies of today. It's like Uber, Airbnb, Facebook, Booking.com, Apple, whatever. They're all fast, easy, and fun. And it's becoming extreme intuitive and extreme simple. And I think to, to implement that, you need the ecosystem that has great data, that has partnerships with other companies that can help you with that. I don't think as a normal company you can do it on your own. I think you need to network with other companies to implement that. Um, but the key thing for me is to have this checklist. Are we fast enough? Are we easy enough? Are we fun enough to deal with the modern consumer? I have a uh, quick question, which we can start now, but we've only got a minute left in this segment. We hear a lot today about big data. How can that be used to help achieve big relevance? I, I think the crucial thing is what you said. It's, it's not about the data. It's about the relevance. And I think a lot of companies are, are trying to show off that they're brilliant marketeers and that they work with big data, but the consumer hates that. The consumer hates a company that talks about how good they are with big data. A consumer wants to hear what the value is for them. Just look at Google. They're a company. The only thing they do is work with data, right? But they never, ever talk about data. They only talk about driverless cars, Google Glasses, those contact lenses that make the blind people see again, Google Loon, the balloons that will give free Internet to the entire world. That is what Google talks about. They talk about the relevant and not about the show-off that they can do something with data. And I think that is the, the mindset that marketeers need today. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're talking to Stephen Van Belligam about When Digital Becomes Human, which is also the title of his new book. This is Tom Dioria. We're on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's uh, Memorial Day weekend, May 24th, 2015. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria, and today's show is on When Digital Becomes Human, 
with our guest, Stephen Van Bellegam. Stephen, why don't you tell us uh, where our listeners can get your books? They can get it at uh, Amazon.com. is the best place to, to get it. And if you need more info, you can tweet me. Uh, my name is on Twitter is at Stephen VBE. And I'll be happy to answer all questions and to give you more info. Great. So we were talking about big data before the break. Mm-hmm. Is there more about the relevance to that that you'd uh, like to discuss? I like to work with a model that says, okay, what can you do with data? And I think there are three layers. I think the first one and the most important one is to use data to create big wisdom in your organization, uh, to learn more about customers and to to deal with that. Um, If you can use Disney World as an example again with the the magic band, you know, if if you have millions of people walking around in your park with a bracelet that gives you an enormous amount of data, just think about how much wisdom they can get from that when I was visiting with my family, I have two small children. I live in Belgium, so they can, if they have a few hundred people from Belgium, they know exactly what the profile is and the behavior from Belgians with two small children in their park. And with that information, they can do a lot more. Um, but if you don't have that information, there's, you know, you're missing the first step. So a lot of companies are thinking about how can we use data to make money. I think that's the wrong start. I think the first step is how can we use data to create big wisdom and big insights. And the second one then is how can we use that data to help people? Um, Can we improve their service? Can we speed up their service? Can we give them more value? And the last step is how can we personalize the offering or the service towards our customers using using data? Old marketeers and all marketeers basically grew up with uh, with a statement that says, if you're not thinking in segments, you're not thinking at all. Uh, I think that is some one of the things that we need to unlearn as marketeers, that a segment is like something extremely old school today. The, the, the best segment size in today's world is one, because... You know, everyone is different. There is no such thing as segments. We just used it as marketeers in the old world because we didn't have the data that we have today. In today's world, you just segment to the individual. And I think that's the end goal of big data, to create an enormous amount of relevance for an individual. And if you can do that, um, I think customers will love you. And that's also the point when you start to realize, okay, privacy is probably a non-issue in this world. If you walk around in Disney World and you see all those people with the bracelet and they leave their data behind and because of that they get a lot of benefits, at that moment you understand that it's not about data, it's not about privacy, but it's about creating magic for people. And I personally think that privacy will be a non-issue as long as you give people return on data, as long as you increase the value for them with 300%. Um, privacy is not the issue. I think security is the issue. If we leave so much data behind, um, the scary part is that someone would do something wrong with that data, and that won't be companies like Google or Facebook, but just like you have thieves in real lives, uh, we will have thieves in the digital world as well. So for me, security is an issue, not privacy. And I think the key challenge for marketeers is to use big data to create big wisdom, and thanks to that wisdom, you create big help. And thanks to that, you personalize your offer and work with a segment that has the size of one. That's a good perspective on it, and I think it's it's something that uh, customers, hopefully, and and uh, businesses will will take to heart. And speaking of heart, can you explain what mm-hmm. heart getting is? 
what its yeah. connection with customers, staff, and society is? Absolutely. Um, it's a word that I that I use in my book. Uh, I call it marketing instead of marketing. Um, I think if you want to create a personal touch, you, you need to do more marketing to the heart than marketing to the brain. It's part of the second, it's the second part of my book. The first part is about digital. And if you do everything in a perfect digital way, that is fantastic. But in the end, you end up as a cold, rational company. And I don't think many companies want to be that. And I don't think markets like that as well. And that's why I have the second part. How can you add a human touch to this customer relation in a digital world? And I think the key philosophy to succeed in that is, is the marketing story where you try to do, where you try to touch customers in their heart. And I think companies that today have a positive message, an ambitious message, um, are the ones that can create a story for their employees, a story for the, the customers, but also a story for society. And if you can combine that, then, okay, we have this ambition to do something positive in the world, and at the same time, it's okay to make a lot of money. I think that's what marketing is about, do something good for the world, make a lot of money at the same time, and touch customers by the heart, and try to motivate your staff, your employees, your shareholders to be part in that positive journey. One of the things we wanted to ask you about um, is, if you're harnessed, and you have to explain this to our listeners, if you're harnessing the power of crowds, how does that benefit funding, product development, service levels, and customer engagement? Probably the, the, the power of the crowd and the whole idea of collaborative economy and sharing economy is an ultimate proof of the human touch. Um, let's take crowdfunding for a second. The moment when consumers start to crowdfund and to fund a startup, I think that's the ultimate form of customer loyalty. You're almost part of that company. You follow up on that company. You're a fan from day one of that company. And that creates an emotional bond. And I think the power of the crowd is, is one of the best tools there is to create this emotional bond of involvement with customers. Uh, there are different ways to do it. You have crowdfunding, but you have crowdsourcing that you ask them to... You also have crowdsourcing that you ask them to... to share ideas with you and to improve your product. You have crowd commerce where you ask people to maybe second-handly sell your products and you facilitate that for, for them. You have crowd service where you ask customers to do the customer service of your company and that there's no longer a customer service department, but you outsource that to customers. So there are different angles where you can use customers to be part of your brand. And because of that level of involvement, you create that emotional bond that is really strong and important to add a human touch to your customer relation. That's a good perspective. Uh, we're running out of time here, but I do want to ask you who you figure <laughs> the five digital superheroes are. Ah, the superheroes, yeah. Uh, I think the five digital superheroes are Amazon, Google, um, Alibaba, Facebook, and Amazon. I think those are the, the five companies. If, if you look at the influence that they have in this world, I think it's enormous. I think they, in a positive way, and I'm a positive, naive kind of person, so I always see things positive, but in, uh, their influence in a positive way in this world is, is enormous. So I think the, the power and the impact of those five companies is huge. Stephen, this is a great show. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
Next week, we're going to be live from our New York offices with our Week in Review, and we're going to have Monica Eaton-Cardone discussing women in STEM. And now you have a week to learn what STEM is all about, S-T-E-M. I want to thank Terry Jure, IMI's President, Dave Brandon, Andy Oria, and Jose Batista for the Week in Review. Taylor Redden's our producer, Matt Campagny's our executive producer, and with the help of Robert Bomback from the production department at KFNX AM 1100, you wouldn't hear a word we said. Thanks again for listening, and please don't forget to tune into Tech Talk next week at 6 p.m. in New York on KFNX AM 1100. Remember to send us suggestions for future shows or ask us questions by sending an email to Tech talk at imi-us.com. Enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day weekend. Have a great week and thanks again for listening.